welcome to That Now Podcast, the only podcast mad enough to embark on a journey through the roller coaster of masterpieces, mediocrities, and misfires of the Now That's What I Call Music albums. I'm Louis, and joining me as always are our highly qualified resident audiophiles, Marita. Hello. And James. Hello. To listen to the Spotify playlist for this episode's tracks, please click the link in the description. And if you want to get in touch, please email thatnowpodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at thatnowpodcast. Coming up, we go rickshaw for Richie, slutty for style council and highline to heaven, 17. Plus, look forward to us doffing our caps, Louis wet of the week and other now that's what I call bollocks trademark pending. During the pod, all of us will pick three tunes from the compilation. These will go to a final poll that you, the listener, can vote for. The top 10 of 1984 will then be inducted in the Hall of Fame, 83-84. So let's press record on our tape decks and find out if that is indeed now. That's what we call music. All right, gang. Whoa. whoa. Excellent work. Excellent work. How are we doing? We all right? Yeah, we're good. good. We're good. This is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, you're already, already dreading it, are you? It's felt like an existential experience listening to this album. <laughs> um, I was thinking it, it felt like panning for gold in a river of shit. <laughs> like, that's how it felt like in um, the sewage of London. There's a lot of metaphors I was thinking of. One of them was also that it felt like certain. It was like you'd get to in like an island of a song, like the one good song or the couple of good songs, and you like climb aboard and go, "Oh, thank Lord, I'm here on a good song." And then, but you always knew you had to depart and go to another bunch of really terrible songs. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah you, you agree you get, then. You're gonna have to help me out and get through this because okay, I'm Okay, we'll, we'll carry you. We'll, we'll give you the life raft, the positive life raft of Louis Marita. Are you going to be on yes. that life raft with me, or I shall try and be positive. Although I do feel the same way as you, James. It was. Yeah, okay. a tough battle judging through that album. So we'll be wearing our life jackets and just to survive the, the the flood, the tsunami of this awful album. But before we get to that, we've got a few points to bring up. We have had some of our first correspondents, of course, and I dare I say first, it's been flooded with emails since we've become popular. Um, and we will get to them later, but there is something that we have to pick up from at the very beginning. Um, Nick has emailed in and he has questioned our use of the word doff, an integral part of the show. He claims that doff is actually doff, D-O-F-F, not D-O-T-H. Now, that's quite devastating. That's that's quite a lot of episodes recorded. (laughs) He is an English graduate of the University of Nottingham. He hastened to add in his email, so his credentials check out. He did send me once a long essay he wrote about The Sopranos. So he, he ticks all the boxes, let's say. Guys, how do you feel about being wrong so much, so often? Mortified. Mm-hmm. I'm less mortified. You know, I think the English language is a language of change, right? It's uh, it's an it's a bastard of a language. It collects, it changes, it morphs, it picks from French, it picks from German, it picks from any language under the sun that it deems fit. And we've evolved the word. Doth feels better to me than doff. It seems well, easier to say. Well, I'll, 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 I'll just nitpick with yourselves and Nick. So to don a cap would mean to put on a cap, D-O-N. 
to doth a cap is correct because to doth is to take off, but to doth is to take it off with respect as a nod to uh, said person. So the specifics are there. Nick has got a spang to write on the specifics. However, the use, so maybe we were just taking it off. We weren't even respecting these people. I'm just taking my cap off now. And it was just letting everyone know. If if it's about Lamal, so be it. But otherwise, <laughs> anyway, guys, I feel awful. Sorry to all the listeners who have obviously been crying inside and forgetting to write in and tell us uh, and making us a joke for the last however many episodes we've recorded. Let's get down to brass tacks. Now, I've got a little bit before we get into the songs. There's quite a little bit of information that might seem a bit boring, but I'm just going to get it out of the way because it's quite now important. It's important now. Mm-hmm. Now. So just a bit of history about the Now albums themselves. We've got up to Now 4, Side 1. The last one of 1984. This was released 26th of November 1984. And up until this point, um, the Now albums used to place in the UK album charts. And this was the only album for the 13 times it was allowed to be released in the UK album charts, that it only peaked at number two. And every time it was number one, of course, because they are cool cats now. And it was beaten by an album called The Hits Album 3. It was the rival to EMI and Virgin, James. What was it? Who was it, James? Could you remember? Uh, no, I can't remember the name of the calling company. It was CBS, wasn't it? Um, CBS and WEA. WEA launched a rival series titled The Hits, which focused on big American acts like Madonna, Prince, and Bruce Springsteen. So sorry, guys, you're not going to hear us talking about them anytime soon. Um, but the, and this was the first one, it was the first one of theirs that topped and beat us to, us nows, to number one. So yeah, sad times for this album, but no surprises because it's fucking shit. This Do you album, think the quality it? also affected its sales? 100%. Because there yeah. was no, it was a real lack of bangers on this, wasn't there? No standout tracks, really. You, you said those big names for the hits, and then you could say, okay, well, we've got Paul McCartney and Elton John. Yeah. But I but didn't it, really translate They didn't land, it. did they? Didn't land. But more about the album placings. Obviously, from moving to the UK album chart, it moved to the UK compilations chart, which is, of course, is made for now. And they have since, post this release, gone in at number one, every release until the 28th of July, 2023. So not that long ago Mm. uh, with now 115 losing two. And I want you to guess what it soundtrack it is for what film. 2023. Was it, is it Barbie? Mm. Has to be in one smashed it, mate. Absolutely smashed it. But think about how many years that is. Still a good run, right? That's a That's really 40 good run. years. 40 years at number one. There's a lot of film soundtracks it's beat out to get there, right? For for all those years. So Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there a good song for that? Rita Ora did the one when the bomb drops or something. Baby's Day Out. <laughs> Predator 2. <laughs> Just the naming Ma- films that have Meg come out two. since Yeah, that's what it is, isn't it? Um, right, that's Louis' boring fact time over. Let's get to brass tacks. We're kicking off with, as James said, a big name, 
Paul McCartney and No More Lonely Nights coming in at number two in the UK charts. Um, and James, I'm going to give it to you because you're a big fan of our Paul. He's a good fan of yours as well, this, I heard. This is the problem, man. We keep on, I keep on defending this guy. And it just it keeps on slapping me in the face with this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the dance version of this song is better than the ballad version. The ballad version is so right. so middle of the road. It's like it's going to cause a pile up. It's still so many songs on this album are like I've set a drum machine to this setting, and here we go. I'm not changing any elements. And I do think one good thing about this song is like Paul is really going for it on his vocal on the dance version. He's like he sounds almost like. I don't know. The only thing I can compare it to is when he's doing like Helter Skelter or something and he's really like stretching his vocal cords. But other than that, this song is really not that great. And yeah, again, victim of the experimentation of Paul with his synthesizers. Maybe a little bit like with the Christmas time song. Yeah, still love the guy, but this is not, not really, not really one of his best. Now, James brought up something before we started recording, which was that. This he said. Make sure you listen. We'd listen to the special dance mix. Is that right, James? Yeah, that's the that's the version on the album. Yeah, right. And so, as all of you millions of listeners will have done, have listened to the playlist before and listened to that one. I, for one, Marita, haven't listened to that one. I haven't listened to that one either. I've listened to the slow ballad one. Oh, I so I just I just want thirty seconds to just compare. Can you skip, put it on as well, Mel? I'm skipping through. It's like a completely a different song. Yeah. It's like a completely different song. Do you know what I mean about his vocal? Quite yeah. shouty. He's trying to shout over the keyboard, isn't he? Mm. But like the song's completely different. Like it's not even it's like the the tune, the melody, it's, it's like got you can, life in it, hasn't it? It's got actual life in it compared to the ballad. Yeah, so talk to me about the comparison, Jim. What are you saying there? You you hate both. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't this dance remix is okay, it's acceptable. Mm. The re- the ballad is just uh, it's just every cliche, so slow, mm. generic pleasantries, mm. predictable. The dance version is is experimental at least, and yeah, you know, I think his vocal is decent on it. But, it's quite bouncy. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I mean, for hearing that initially, it sounds a bit like that track that's coming up. The the Pointer Sisters sounds like jump. It sounds a bit like that same sort of synthy. Yeah, it's bouncy, isn't it? Um, you know, the point is, this is the next episode, though, right? No, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah secondly, then sorry, just checking. <laughs> sorry, I started listening ahead today. Um, yeah, I think, do you know what? Yeah, it's well, I've written initially, so let's put this again in the context of the album like, pretty tepid start to an album of so called hits is what I've written here, sort of bang average. Personally, I'd expect a bit better from R. Paul. Catchy after a few listens, to be fair. Quite like the bridge to the chorus. Love that bridge. Love it. Take it all back. I love it. And so I've gone through a journey, and especially because this album is probably so shit. Yeah. But um, I really like it. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I listened to the ballad version. Um, I also thought you sounded incredibly American on it. And then Mm. if, like, a gun was held to my head and someone demanded to know who sung this i'd mm. never say paul mccartney like yeah it didn't sound very mccartney-esque um it is quite catchy um, mm, it's quite catchy isn't it yeah um and then there was the bass towards the end that really kind of went hard which i enjoyed quite um, wacky at the end wasn't it yeah yeah but 
Maybe that yeah. was just when he started to write the dance version. She went, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, transition. Bop, 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 Put that on a bloody moog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, James looking downcast. I did enjoy how your uh, feedback was like a diary entry, though. <laughs> yeah. Day one, not impressed by the verse. <laughs> yeah. Day two, the bridge has arrived. It seems quite good. Yeah. I mean, it was like. Yeah, I, I, it was one of those things where, because obviously I listened to it quite, I listened to the, the album quite a bit, and then I sort of, over it, I was like, bloody hell, this is a load of whack. And then I was like, oh, no, and I got, just like how he, and because I know, and then he's in. And it's like a really sort of like, like you're about to jump, you know, bungee jump, or like, not as in thrilling as that, of course, I mean, but more like, it's bit prepping, prepping, and bridge, and no more lonely nights. Yeah, he, he can write a catchy song. Um, what you said in the Christmas app, Jim, about um, his comparison to John in that respect, like, you know, John's writing about war and all this kind of, and he's like, oh, Christmas jumper, and I love your impression yeah, yeah. of that. You know? And it felt very this, like, this. Al- it's from an album called All the Best, you know, ah, and, then, you know, one of the lyrics in there is called All the Same to Me, Love. And it's just like he puts love in it, and it's, you know, maybe that's just a nice twang, and it's all just, it's safe and calm, isn't it? It's not groundbreaking mm. and i think again because it's paul i think that's fine i think i'm happy with that the only other lyric he says which is a bit sort of strange is he says i mean i can't sing this bit because i can't really remember it but he says i can wait another day until i call you and he says i can wait another day surely it should be can't if you because it's about surely it's about missing no lonely nights no more mm. lonely nights i need you here Etc. But he can wait to call her. Maybe that she's just not or very good on the phone. Yeah. I thought maybe you know some people aren't very good at phone calls, are they? She's deaf. <laughs> that's a twist. Yeah, yeah. That, that's coming up later. Lionel Richie. Hello. Oh. Um, paging Mr. Richie. Yeah, paging Mr. Richie. She can't hear it. She's deaf. But yes, uh, I yeah. Like when Mal often says, "I wouldn't skip it if it came on shuffle." I enjoy it. It's there. Um, as we always like to do, as we go into song meanings. Um, you know, I, I, do, I often now start to disregard the actual meaning and look on the forums for the real, the real, the edgy list, takes, the real, real edgy takes, um, truthful leanings, truthful leanings, hashtag truthful leanings. Uh, yeah. See us on the discord server sometime. Never, uh, with our next guest, which is John one. This oh, song yeah. is about a man who took the rap for a drug crime that his wife committed. This man has never spent a night apart from his wife in the 10 years that they've been married. He's in jail now. That's probably why he can wait to call because he doesn't want to do the call. You know, like it might be lots of people. Mm. Doesn't have the coins, doesn't have the credit. It's all coming together. He's in jail now, yet still loves his wife deeply. The Japanese police only let him call her the other every other day. He wants to blame her for hiding that bag of weed instead of giving it to the roadies. But there is no point as what's done is done. Here he vows after he is set free that he will never be apart from her. Wow. So it's, <laughs> so it's specific. It's specific. So I, I'm imagining they're thinking it's Paul. Has Paul got a connection to Japan? None that I'm aware of. No. Maybe Yoko? Yoko, but that's a sort of, it's a, it's a gap, isn't it? Thing. I mean, they probably have each other's number, right? I mean, he did talk about that when uh, they made that new song recently. He said, yeah, Yoko said it was fine if we use AI on John's voice. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, love the fresh takes. Uh, any other thoughts on that? 
I was just going to ask, can you also see the other reviews given by John012410? Oh, do you know what? Just give me a second and I'll see if that is possible. I love the fact he was like, I need to get this. I need to get We can see what John's saying. Oh, yes. John's got 86 points on song meanings. (laughs) He's added a lyric to Kurangubin. What a... Wow. Wow, this cat's Let's not Let's not judge John too quickly. He's added an artist, Kirangubin. Okay, he's a bit he's into them. No more lonely nights. And when was I, that? I reckon John's spiritual. Uh, tell me more. What do you think? I don't know Kirangubin and um, what with the weed selling. I just reckon <laughs> yeah. he's got um, <laughs> yeah, know, we've got wind chimes out of his front of his house and you know <laughs> dreamcatcher. Um, yeah, precisely. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. And um, just while you're here, the way they split up. Rate uh, your points on song meanings is receiving and giving. So mm. we'll just take classic, that. classic dynamic duo. I uh, can't look at too many more of his. I think that's all he's done. But maybe because he added an artist, he's it's, got eighty-six. It's almost points. better that he just did one. Yeah, <laughs> it's better. Yeah, it's disappointed. Yeah, it's true. It's just he's only yeah. come on there to do that and gone. God, you know what? I bet they don't have Grand Um And he was right. Um, <laughs> Guys, this is a Hall of Fame for me, straight up, straight away. It came around. I'm saying I wasn't going to be initially, but there's poor choices. I think I might have to do the same because... Thank you. I haven't chosen any, and I mean, I didn't dislike <laughs> this I was thinking as exactly much as some the of the same others, now. so um, maybe so I'm none of you have picked any. No. I, I've been so depressed, uh, I didn't pick any, but um, I've just added my three now, so I know okay. what I'm doing. So, are you, so are you, and Mao, you know what you're doing. You're coming with me on this pool journey. Reluctantly, but yeah. Well, there's no more lonely nights for us, mate. That's two Hall of Fames. Swish. Giorgio Moroder with Philip Oakley and Together in Electric Dreams coming in at number three in the UK charts. Marita, you heard this before? Yes. What are you thinking? Can I just start off with what Gavin Martin for the NME said? That it was a, quote, mess from (laughs) two musicians well past their peak. Uh, (laughs) I I don't think it's that bad. Uh, I think it's pretty catchy, actually. Out of Mm. all of these songs, I think it's probably the one that's, I can attribute like a bit of a catchy beat to. Um, mm. It builds, but it doesn't really come to fruition. And I've written that it's the song equivalent of going down the motorway in the middle lane at about 40 miles an hour. <laughs> so that's my take on it. Just slightly dangerous, but you could put, you'll be fine. You know, you won't be, you won't be yeah. like ending up in too many. Yeah. No, no, hazardous, no, no. But fine. hazardous, but annoying. But, yeah. like, not too bad. Yeah, precisely. Yes. Oh, that's a zigger, Mal. Love that. Um, James, are you going to drive alongside her and make that motorway more dangerous in this fast lane? Uh, I want to take it off the road, I think. Give it an old smash. <laughs> Give an old, <laughs> a big old smash of the Ford Focus. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, just, just first off, um, I was a little bit disappointed that Mao didn't quote Debbie Voller of Cashbox, but that's oh, fine. Other people are, can quote other people. Sure, come um, Yeah, no, I just, 
I like, I enjoyed the video because Phil looks like he spent way too long in LA. He's got like a dodgy leather jacket, uh, eyeliner on. Uh, he looks like he hands around a liquor store quite a lot. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, it feels like at this time, like there's two songs on here that are like Giorgio Moroder. And yeah. it's like, is mm. he the only person who can play a synthesizer that they just have to like get him in or something? Oh, definitely. But it, it feels like so many of these songs around this time are all about like dreams and getting away and forget about who you really are. Go to the mm. electric place and... Times were tough, weren't it? It We need to escape. It's like we said in the previous one. Need to Mm. not only escape Britain and Thatcher. Need to get onto another fucking planet because it's also miserable. Is Um, it also like the sound of the synthesizers themselves that they sound quite dreamlike and that like lends itself mm. to these kind of themes? Massively. Well, this was uh, from a film. Lest we forget. Yeah, electric Um, dreams. um, And dare we say it was the end of the film. So I don't know if that says a little bit more that it was played over the credits Mm. um, because it wasn't filmy enough or intro enough. Um, I don't know what that might say about it. However, that did mean it had a lot of success. That's uh, the film, conversely. I didn't like it. It was rubbish. Right, next we've got Bronsky Beat with Why coming, or Tell Me Why, as we might, some other people might know, uh, coming at number six in the UK. Is it my turn? Shall I go it's first? It's your turn. It's yeah. mine. Well, uh, it's Jimmy, the sum of ill. Um, with a confu- it's confused me, this song, because basically I know Small Time Boy very, 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 very well. But there are so many remixes of Small Time Boy, like, older thing like dance things all these weird things you hear like when you go on holiday and out of the back of a scooter again it's all coming around it's interpolated um, isn't it i think that's the ooh, term interpolated yeah, that's a nice word oh see mm. this is if you know if we didn't have you here jim this would be just two very much. fools no offense marita um <laughs> that was quite offensive wasn't <laughs> it? Just just like, i'm just dragging you down with me there sorry i didn't mean that personally uh I thought it was fine. I'm not really too bothered about it. I think it was good track. I don't think it's got anything on Small Town Boy. The song is dedicated to murder gay playwright Drew Griffiths. They've said, uh, this was written for Martin, a friend of the Bronskis who was hounded out of the country by his boyfriend's irate and violent parents. So it's sort of written for two uh, people there. Very big anti-gay prejudice, generally a popular gay anthem. So again, all the right sentiments there. I just think it's not as good as a track. The thing I would say... I think the lyrics are fucking banging. I've taken the lyrics out of the song. And hang on. Hold me, hold me, hold me down. Okay, hang on. I'll let you go first. The faces on both of them. Come on. Oh, let on. me have it. Sorry, I had just written that <laughs> the year ones that I volunteer with could have composed a better track <laughs> lyrically. I, <laughs> I agree. Oh, no. Go on. I, what I did, I was so fascinated with how few words are in this song yeah. and in other songs that I actually put it through a, a, a program to find out how many unique words are in this song. Huh. Mm. There's less than 50. There's 49 that's, unique that, words. That's like a haiku. It's impressive. <laughs> it's like it's like, it's like in Paul in Japan again with his haikus. Um, come on. I, I think there's too much going on and not particularly in a good way. Um, and then there was also the incorporation of like a wind instrument in the first <laughs> third of the track, which was completely unnecessary and then didn't carry on. Um, it was almost like it was a mistake. Um, yeah, just warbling, really. Just warbling for three, four whole minutes. That's mm. not it. 
not more so maudlin warbling again is it or is it it's, it's not it's not maudlin it's just just straight up warbling it's just so it's just warbling for you yeah. um he has got that voice that is very high that voice mm. yeah and yeah i mean i can see how that would grate on people james Louis, i'm just going back to you actually I, i'll mm. give you fair credit yeah the verse lyrics are good but it's literally two lines and then well, it goes straight back to tell me why you know and what i could like I, when i when i first turned this song on i was like imagine him doing that close to your ear in a way he's doing it when you got headphones on tell me why i was like yeah, jesus yeah. man i know you can sing but yeah just, warn me just calm it down it's on 11 now put it on nine i'd i'd be like okay tell me why yeah i think that's his doorbell every time you come in yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, I can see what you mean, actually, that the, the verse lyrics are good, but they're just so... I just put there's not much meat on the bone. Okay. And I tell you, you know, you know, a great song is a meeting of lyrics and good music and great singing, yeah? And I think all this song has for me is great lyrics because I think I can see where you're coming from, Mal. Year one could write this. I disagree because there's a lot more going on in there that's evocative and... That's up to your imagination. No one's going to look at these lyrics like I'm doing now, really, are they? You know, you're not going to hear the song and you go, "Oh, well, that's a little bit my year one's good like that." I get that, but when you're looking at these written down, mm. contempt in your eyes as I turn to kiss his lips, broken I lie, all my feelings denied. I mean, it's it's saying it's the anti-gay message and the prejudice without saying it, which is very evocative. Blood on your fist. They've got in a fight. There's a murdered playwright, you know. I think the context and the lyrics all together is easy for me to say they're really good. But over in a song, it's lost. So I think that's the shame of it because I actually think the lack of words, as James mentioned, that simplicity, the year oneness, let's say, <laughs> is actually what's really good about it and not like, wordy Duran Duran shit that actually doesn't mean anything and has got no point to Mm. it whatsoever. It's a poem or something. It's like a poem. It's a haiku. It's It's a haiku. Back to Giorgio Moroder. We've missed him for a song and oh my word. Welcome back, Mr. Mark Hamill, Lamal. I've, and I've said before, Mark Hamill's this guy from Star Wars, isn't it? Uh, He's Luke. Yeah, it's Hamill. Yeah. Is he definitely Mark, Mark Hamill? Hamill? Yeah, Mark Hamill. So he's got the same name as Luke. How have we before. not talked about that? Hang it's on. meant to be, isn't it? Lamar. <laughs> Lamar. The chosen one. Is he, he's called Christopher Hamill. Oh, okay. Oh. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> so, fuck off. <laughs> um, well, good to have you back, Chris. Um, we've missed you. Um, and, you know, dare I say, uh, it's not been long enough. But, James, what do you think? We've got we've got our boy back. We've got Lamar back. Mm. Um, he's written a little song with the, the man of the time, Giorgio Moroder, um, for the film Never Ending Story. Da, 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 da. Coming at number four in the charts, James, is number four worthy of its placement? Uh, I think that's about fair. Yeah, it's another song where we go off into dreamy synthesizer world. Mm. Giorgio Moroder, and it's very mid. Uh, I quite like the arpeggios of the synth. 
And I actually think the female vocal is nicer than Lamal's. Sorry, mate. Mm. Um, I'm, but I'm generally just happy that Lamal got his big hit. You know, mm. and when I've looked up Lamal on YouTube, I wrote here: this is the song that made that allows Lamal to sing to German mums in Stuttgart in the 21st century. Because that's all all you see of Lamal on YouTube is just him singing on random like revival shows live on German TV, Italian TV, and this is like the song that gave him that career beyond just being Lamal or just being with Kajagugu. So. I hope he got to ride the magic dragon from Never Ending Story. Because um, that would be a wonderful thing for Lamar. I think he deserves it. He seems like a lovely chap. But in general, not really doing very much for me. Yeah. Do you agree um, with the female vocal? I think that when they harmonize and her mm, voice is very yeah. nice. Um, mm, yeah. yeah, I do agree. I do agree. We should probably give her a shout out, to be fair, shouldn't we? I don't know what her name is. Um, Deborah Voller. Oh, wouldn't that be a lovely uh, turn up the books? <laughs> uh, her name is Beth Anderson. Beth. Good old Betty. Mal, what do you think? Oh, um, I wrote, have you seen the film? No. So I've only read the book. Mm, oh, yeah. Good. Was the book um, good? The book is good. Yeah, it's a children's book. Um, uh, I said it's a bit like we're going on a journey, but not mm. a good one. Mm. And it just falls short, and it kind of sounds a bit like a children's lullaby. Mm. Feeling a bit sick mm. in the back of the car. Yeah, motion sickness. Mm. Yeah, it's just neither here mm. nor there, is it? Probably would get one on the dragon, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Take a travel sickness pill right. before you get that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are about four songs on this album, I think starting at this one. Mm. And then in a row. In a row, that yep. when I had it on in the background, I honestly could not differentiate if one song had finished and one had started. I, it was I could such, not differentiate. Such deaf ears that it yeah. just was like, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's do you know? Like, I think I I agree with both of you. I think I'm pleased for Lamar. You know, he's 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 had some success. It's his big US success. Um, I think. The song is interesting. I don't think I like it necessarily. Quite catchy. Like, you know, I can remember it. I think that's always a good sign that I can remember it and vocalise it to you both. Story, da, da, da. You know, that's quite satisfying because mm-hmm. much like the name of the song or the film or the book, or whatever, they've made it so the chorus never ends and it sort of comes back into, there's no sort of differentiation between verse and chorus. Clever, clever move there, a little nod. Um they also did a TV series, ended after two series, but you know, never ending. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think I like that nod to it never ending, and I, I, I think it sounds like it. I'm just being speculative. But um, it's a kid's film, isn't it? And maybe Laval's found his calling, a bit like Matt Bianco being on New Zealand's children's TV. Yeah. You know, crossover maybe, Matt Bianco. Mm-hmm. They could take the theme tune well by storm. <laughs> I think you're right about the melody as well. That do, 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 do. That's a really nice melody. It's got that dreamlike mm. feeling to it. Yeah. It's nice, isn't it? And it's, it's a dreamy. It's, it, I think it's, it does well for what it's supposed to do for that like, yeah. world of that book and that film. You also um, just reminded me of on uh, The Simpsons, what is it, Lionel Hutz. He's like, this is the biggest travesty of justice since the never-ending story. What? <laughs> what? 
<laughs> because of, it ends after. Because it ends, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's good. <laughs> um, do you know Giorgio Moroder was an architect of the disco era and wrote most of Donna Summer's songs? Yeah, I feel love, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So he is a bit of an auteur, shall we say, <laughs> of... Ah, an auteur. An auteur. Um, can you use auteur mouth for this? Uh, for in, we're not in film. Uh, yeah. I yeah, we're, we're, yeah. In our podcast, we can. Yeah. Because yeah. Donna Summer comes up really for us for refusing tunes. Yeah. That's All what the time. She, she's always yeah. just giving a blanket no. Good on her. Auteur reply. Yeah, no, she's not, you know, nothing. No, you know, she wants. Exactly. Um, but a lot what she wants is a bit of Giorgio Moroder. So he's a bit of everywhere. Um, and, of course, songs like this come back around because of featuring and things like uh, Stranger Things, end of season three. Um, ah. Lamal expressed his gratitude towards Netflix for this. While he had not watched the series, he was told this, of the song's inclusion by his nephews and watched clips of the duet. Lamal had previously found a similar increase in his past work when the network used his Kajagoogoo song Too Shy in Black Mirror Bandersnatch. So oh. there's always a payday around the corner for all of these now hits. Last thing was, uh, as we like to know, is a little quote from, uh, I'll, give, I'll give the website out a shout, songmeanings.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is from Shelley Daggs, or D- Dag- Daggers, Daggers, D-A-G-E-S. Um, and she rightly says, the song reminds me that there is always hope. Life is a never-ending story. We all die, but life goes on. Mm. I thought it was quite nice. Generally, I thought that was quite nice. The problem is, I went on some YouTube videos of these songs, and like, no matter what song it is, somebody's like, oh, my daughter died, and this song was her favourite, oh. oh, and it's yeah. something absolutely oh, dreadful, and you're God. like, really? Um, what? Yeah. Really? She's lying no, about but, her daughter? Or, or it's like, this reminds me of when I was 16, and then my prom date died two days later. Oh, my she, God. She really loved Matt Bianco. Get out of your sleepy bed. It was her favorite RIP. You know, like, no wow. matter what it oh, is, no. it could be like Pulse of the Maggots by Slipknot. And they'd be like, oh, I remember my daughter. My granny's funeral. Yeah, my grandma to... loved this song. <laughs> yeah. She she passed away. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's it's a funny thing. Like, an extension of that is I always think, like, with these people or these bands or these one hit wonders, like, real one hit wonders, who's going to the gig? You know, like you've got the one song you like, but do you like the rest of yeah. the the fast food rockers? Or you know, <laughs> I guess you'd just think maybe this is the last time I'll ever get to see that song live. <laughs> so I may as well just chance it and then leave after that one comes on. Kentucky Fried Something. Chicken and a Pizza Hut. Yeah, exactly. I want to go and see that again. Yeah. But I like the idea of everybody just filing out the concert when Lamar does Only for Love or something, you know, the fun, yeah. song from the first album. It's like, right, that's it. Just that's a sign with Never Ending Story on, you know. Yeah. Play Never Ending Story. <laughs> yeah, for, forever and ever and ever and ever. I've got lots ever. of other songs, guys. I used to be Kajagoogoo. <laughs> yeah. Play Never Ending Story. <laughs> um, oh, well, uh, in light of everything we've talked about, that is Louis' doff of the week. I'm doffing it to Lamal. Congrats. It's your big hit. Well done, sir. I see why.
another boring named person who sounded like some other acts but isn't Howard Jones. It's Nick Hayward uh, with Warning Sign coming in at 25 uh, on the UK charts. A disappointing 25 for Nick, not necessarily for us. Um, <laughs> I've worryingly put Hall of Fame next to this and I hated it, so I don't know why I've put that. <laughs> because... Uh, Warning Sign. Did you feel it? Can you feel it? Yeah. Well, I think it felt like it was a sort of, um, it would be on a GTA Vice City station, radio station or something like you'd be driving okay. in a sort of game, sort of it sits at that, like a cancelled American cop show. Warning sign. Or no, it'd just be like state troopers or something like that. Warning sign. Oh, oh, oh very yeah. good. Um, but I'll reserve judgment for my Hall of Fame. Guys, what were you thinking, James uh, Mal? It's Mal's turn. Mal. Before Mal speaks, can I just ask, uh, does Nick Hayward make it into your school Ooh. Hall of Fame with Paul Young? 100%. Nick Hayward. He's, he's like... Nick very, Hayward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Hmm. He's Nick in. Hayward's party next week at <laughs> McDonald's. Yeah. Nick Hayward's parents are out. And he's got a bottle of cider. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, Nick, yeah. Nick had a party last week. Yeah. He was sick all over himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he see that in... warning sign. Oh, you, shut do up, you think Luke. Nick ended up working in Tesco, do you think? Maybe. Not wrong with that, mate. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know. Got married. He's never won an academic one, you know. Yeah. Got married when he was 19. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Still a nice bloke. Might see him in the pub sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You shake your hand. <laughs> you say hello? Um, I am slightly worried that this is your Hall of Famer, Louis, because... <laughs> well, I'm worried as well. I, can you tell me about you and I'll just double check? <laughs> no, I just, just think there's absolutely nothing going on and that, that it's the song equivalent of being dead behind the eyes. It's just it's <laughs> not anything there. Um, yeah. I glossed over it. I've listened to it about four times, but there was nothing there to get me hooked or differentiated from the last silly song mm. to be honest silly song. yeah is it yeah i didn't i'm a bit confused myself now um well don't worry you i mean you didn't pick any initially did you so that's <laughs> no. all right um yeah it's a bit dead behind the eyes isn't it i think that's a very fair shout james would you agree you know what's interesting if you watch the video of him performing this it looks like his eyes are always closed <gasps> Today. This guy's a really oh. interesting looking fella. Oh, let's have a look. As in, like, I don't think he's ugly or I don't think he's, like, handsome, but he just looks interesting. It's like Ooh. his eyes are always half closed when he's okay, singing. Let's it. have a look. If you can find the video, check it out because it's really. Yeah. I, I just couldn't not see it anymore. What, uh, what's the song called? Warning, Warning sign. sign. Nick Hayward. Oh, so forgettable. I've already forgotten it. <laughs> It's oh like, my god! It's oh like no, a ventriloquist no, butt dummy. It's, yeah. it's like he's blinking a lot. Like he's in a permanent state of blink. Oh, do you know what I mean? Oh my god! It's weird. Anyway, I just think that it's like a bit of a mulch, a synthy, bassy, <laughs> sampley mulch. Yeah, that eighties guitar. Oh sound. yeah, God! It's his eyes like, are constantly closed. Yeah, and he's not looking at the camera. He's looking down. It's very strange. I don't think he was meant to be a pop star. Well, he used to be in Haircut 100, which yeah. I do think is a good band name, and I might be alone in that. No, um, but yeah, he, I don't think he's ever cut out for solo stardom, Nick. But um, 
that eighties guitar sound is really not doing anything for me. Well, I'm yeah. starting to remember why I kind of like this actually. Uh, yeah, no. Remember the context of the album, though. Please, please remember the context. Of the <laughs> Even album. then, man, honestly, like, honestly, this was such hard work, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Um, consign it to the bin, everyone. Let's go. Let's leave it. Leave it behind. All right. Enough of that. And now, enough of this. John Waits, Missing You, coming in at number nine in the UK charts. It's, it's, I think it's first, second or third in Marita's line of rubbish songs. Tell us why, Mel. Well, obviously, we have the Tina Taylor version, which I don't Indeed. think should be mentioned in the same breath as this. Um, lyrically, it's quite nice, but it just seems like very much of its time. Like, it's just stuck so vehemently in the 80s that ugh, I don't know I don't know if I can give it like an objective listen mm. I, don't, I don't know it just yeah James is looking like he's about to pass out mm-hmm. um, it yeah it, and I said that being of its time is not necessarily a bad thing it's just a bit meh. Um, <laughs> and that I don't think I'm a fan of soft rock slash white mm. soul which mm. Wikipedia attributed the song <laughs> to genre-wise. Um, that's mm. about it. Yeah. James, you concur? No, I, I'm, it's tickling me in the right zones, this song. I, I do really like it. It was on GTA Vice City as it well. Was. Um, I, I really like it. I, I, I don't know. I just really like it. It's got very like good emotional lyrics that are easy to relate to. Uh, I really like the little guitar swells that he does, like the, you know, like, uh, and I just uh, and like the drumming as well. I really like on the cymbals. It's like I am missing you, you know, and it's like I, I really like it. I think it's a really good song, and uh, um, yeah, I, I think so many of these tracks on this album have just been pure noise, just since been left on whatever setting, <laughs> boom, 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 and like bass is just going. Boom, 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 boom. Like here, it's just you know, nice little bit of guitar, drum beat, bass line, simple, easy vocal, Hall of Fame for me. Really like the song. Yeah, I'd love to do a karaoke when I'm drunk. Oh, nice, mate. Nice. So Hall of Fame for you. Yeah. Nice. I think I'll make it a Hall of Fame for me as well. Um, but it's also my West of the Week. I don't know if I can double up. <laughs> it's uh, definitely wet. Yeah. It's quite wet. It's quite wet. Um. I, I, he, he says, I ain't missing you a lot. That he says it a lot, right? Any more it, than why by Bronsky Beat. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I, we need to get our stat man on it or woman. Um, but I think he does miss them, really, doesn't he? Really? Like, I think he <laughs> must do. I think, yeah. don't lie to yourself, mate. Um, and, and to be fair, towards the end of the song, he says, I can lie to myself these days. So. Yeah. I think he is. But yeah, soft rock, white soul. That's what's uh, my experience with this whole process is getting into my dad vibes um, and channeling some soft rock. Um, I like it. I don't love it, but I like it. Um, he's got some, he's a, he's a terrible actor. His, his video is some quality, miserable acting, particularly a moment when um, he's obviously missing her uh, and he's uh, in a bar 
and a woman comes up to him and he it's, it's not gonna do it justice on a podcast but he just does this snubs his nose and goes <laughs> <laughs> which is shakes his head frowns a bit like partridge and just sort of goes mm, no and she's like it's all right mate beggars can't be cheesy son um but he said the song was about three women in his life not just wow. one he was getting divorced and he was thinking of an old love interest from when he first moved to New York, as well as a current love interest. So, mm. man oh. doth play about. It's spicy in John's oh, kitchen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, certainly is. I like this idea, Louis, that you were saying that he clearly does miss her. And it's yeah. like, you go for a drink with John. And he's like, you know, I don't miss her. You know, I don't miss yeah. her at all. <laughs> and like throughout the night, he says that like three or four times. It's like, John, you keep on saying that, mate. I'm yeah, waity. Yeah. Waity. Right. You love her. Yeah. You love her, waity. Yeah. And then, yeah, when you come out of the nightclub and you're having a kebab, he's actually like, I'm, I'm going to send her a text. Yeah, I'm going to see It's like, John, calm down, mate. You're drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put your phone. I'm taking your phone off you. I'm taking your phone <laughs> off you. You'll get it back tomorrow. Michael Jackson, Farewell, My Summer Love, coming in at number seven in the UK charts. Um, I'll start, and I've got literally nothing on it. I've put perfectly bland. Perfectly bland. Um, James, do you want to follow up on my extensive research of that? It reminded me a bit of Candy Girl. Yes. It was was a bit like, this is how you do that type of song right, if you're not mean. It's... um, just kind of fun and sugary and you know i i, I quite like i quite liked it. it it wasn't as offensive as the other songs on this album uh, i like that kind of innocence of it it's just like a boy and a girl they meet on holiday on a you know when they're at the coast or whatever what i did like about it as well is that apparently it's from the vaults of motown album so can you tell me Ooh. what else is in the vaults of motown what would they have down there maybe an old car from detroit <laughs> Uh, maybe a, the, the other Supreme who didn't make it in the Supremes. What else would they have in the vaults of Motown? <laughs> oh, God. I thought you meant it was just an album name called The Vaults yeah, of Motown. Oh, right. Sorry. Album. I, I yeah. actually believed you for a second there. <laughs> no. I was like, dug a big hole and put all these things in it. I think they probably stuck it in there because they didn't want anyone to listen to it anymore. It's <laughs> exactly. rubbish. Um, Imagine at the label, they're like, guys, we're not making any money. We've got to go down to the vaults. And there are <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mal, what did you think? Oh, um, I thought it had initially had something about it. Like it's got a bit of a, mm. a bit of a beat, which the last few songs didn't didn't necessarily mm. have. Yeah. Um, and I also thought that MJ sounded spectacularly like a lady in this song. Um, mm. Very, very high. Um, yeah. And it's kind of just a radio song, you know, a song that you'd have on in the car. Mm. You wouldn't turn yeah. it off. It'd just be, it'd just be on. It, you wouldn't bother turning it over. It's just yeah. You're cruising through Miami. You got this song on <laughs> a soft top Ferrari Testarossa. No, <laughs> uh, I think it's definitely that's a good description. Like the radio, the radio. Like it's not something you'd have. No. no. Um. Yeah, I, I, I've literally our friends Cashbox have got a few words on it. Um, oh, yeah. Let's go. They're back. With, with you know, a, a fittingly bland statement of all the vibrancy of the now legendary Jackson vocal style is present on this single. I mean, it is. 
Is it a, is <laughs> yeah. it a good song? No. Is that really? You're just saying that Jackson sings the song. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, Only one of the two appearances of Michael Jackson on the Now albums. Oh. Ooh. Seth wow. Levine, when he died, after he died. Wow. Mm. Posthumously. Mm. Um, interestingly, on that note, I, you know, for the sort of very simple facts, I do get ChatGPT to get a few of them out for me, churn them out. And it said for this, it said, the song was initially recorded in 1973, true, and released post posthumously, I always want to say. post. Well, how do you say that word? After they had the hummus, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Not, it's not humorously, is it? Because that's humor. Uh, it's hum- humorously, it was. No, what, post- how do you humos- say it? Humos- Homosteously. Post- right? Homosteously. Yeah, that Nick, was... Nick, we need your help, mate. We need that degree. I can usually say it, but I just... Humus. Humus. Got... Yeah. Don't say humus. Sorry. <laughs> After the humus. Postosthumously. Post... Posthumously. 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 After he's dead. Anyway, after you've put the... Uh, what do you put in humus? Oh, for fuck. Anyway. Dip. <laughs> I mean, that? that is a dip. <laughs> yeah, but what do you put in dip. humus? What is that thing that's killing Pick me in my bread. head? No, uh, what's you make hummus? It's Chickpeas. With, yeah, and what's the other thing that you put in it? Tahini. Yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. So anyway, post Tahini in 1984. Anyway, the point's mute. It's gone. Let's leave it. Has anyone any more to say about it? Because I can move on from oh, it. I'm sick of it. No. no. Is it all of those? No. Absolutely no. not. All right. See you, Michael. See you next time. Right, one of the bigger, bigger, bigger hits of the album. Finally, we get some meat. And it's Mr. Ritchie, Lionel, with Hello, coming in, obviously, at number one in the UK charts. And I've written that I just can't take it seriously. Like, was it written <laughs> as a joke? Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also, shout out to him sat on that chair. On the album cover, like yeah. he's not even oh. taking himself seriously. No. Like, um, also, the lyrics were a li- <laughs> little bit predatory. Like, uh, oh yeah, it's hello, not- is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes. Like, imagine yes. going out that uh, oh. no, some some yeah. bloke loitering and just yeah. like whispering that at you. Hey, Terrible. I can see it in your eyes. Hey, <laughs> you, I can see it. I can see it in your eyes. What? <laughs> Your glaucoma, you need to go to a doctor. Uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's a cheesy, cheesy song, but I, d- I don't mind it. It's good, isn't it? I mean, it is great. I, I, I think it's, it's a good song. James, are you in good song camp? Oh, no, oh. Never, never really got this song. Never Oi. Really got it. Oi, tell us why. Everybody just always makes these jokes about the video and the blind girl, and it's just like... Yeah. It's just... Uh, he, you know, I always like dropping the snare after the verse. He doesn't <laughs> drop the snare until 2 minutes 42. A bit late. After a little romantic guitar solo. It's too late for me, Lionel. I've already turned off by 2 minutes 42. <laughs> drop the snare one minute in. You know, don't leave me waiting for your snare mm. to give this song a bit of boom. Um, and yeah, the man, I think you're right about the old stalkerish 
I've been alone with you inside my mind. In my dreams, I've kissed your lips a thousand times. Oh. I sometimes see you pass outside my door. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Leather gloves on. It's kind of like that needs to come from a sort of 13-year-old mm. who's Not like, yeah, just puberty's like hitting a bit like, oh, my God, I want to see her all the time, whatever. Not from a grown man. Teaching in a school, stalking a blind girl. <laughs> it is it is dodgy when you lay she out. She won't like see that, it no. coming. <laughs> yeah. Song wise, I think it's really look. Uh, it's we all know it. It's so. Mm. Um, I'm struggling for words. It, I think it's really that hello is really hauntingly beautiful. I think that particular chorus, the bit we all know, is really stunning because we all know it. And it, as much as it could be put in a camp of, oh, it's just another bit of soft pop, you know, it does stand out from a lot of that. I think this song stands out from this album. And I think when we put it in the Hall of Fame, I think it stands out from that list as well. I think it's, it is big for a reason. Okay. Nodding. Agreeing. It no? transcends its time. Absolutely. Yeah. People born yeah. after this know this song. Yes. Hello. It's quite, a, it's quite a strong start. I like songs with a strong start as well. Straight in. Straight yeah. in. And, and it's sort of like, wow, what are we going on here? Hello, who are we saying hello to? You know, you know that thing? Do you ever that at school when they say like, oh, English teacher says, tell a story in one sentence, you know? Mm. And the, the one I always remember on, that he put on the board was, when Johnny woke up, the dinosaur was still outside his window. It's like, fuck, there's so many things going on there. I mean, and it's, it's told beginning middle and end brilliant mm. and even with hello it's kind of like that hello and we're going so emotionally into it hello and you know turns out he's a bit of a stalker and it's not great but there's still a story isn't there um but it's oh there's the sadness in it i actually think he's quite a good actor from that video i think he's quite a good actor i've got to say that bit at the beginning when he talks to the class he's just got that moment where he's sitting looking into the distance and then he's back in the room and he takes it and it's just like, oh, yeah, it's great. No, I've no not watched it for many years. So. Many years, yes. Yeah. And I think you could leave it to not watching it again. I mean, it's got quite a laugh um, if you take it with a pinch of salt. Um, the video was voted the worst music video of all time in a poll of 8,000 music fans <laughs> by UK TV music channel The Box. Um, but Giraldi, the creator, who also directed Michael Jackson's Beat It, huh. stands by it. Um, he's quoted in the book, I want my, my t- I want my MTV, as saying, I came up with the idea of a blind girl and Lionel as a teacher. Hello is one of the top videos ever. Giraldi adds that Richie was concerned that the bust didn't look like him. <laughs> until... Giraldi pointed out that the girl making it was supposed to be blind. Mm. Uh, My question to you is, how the fuck did she do a bust of her face without touching his face beforehand then? Mm. We don't see a lot of what's in the video. The video is not shown, right? Maybe like a cast. You know how you have a, like a cast of, I don't know. Uh, you could get one of those where you get it all on your face and then she pulls it off. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Mm. That kind of thing. Um. On that note, I've noticed that he has a really big chin. <laughs> and I'd like to put Ooh, that forward we... for our uh, our amalgamation of pop star, please. Lionel's okay. chin. Lionel's chin. It's a really beefy jaw. Hmm. Sounds it... like a racehorse, Lionel's chin. 
or beefy jaw. <laughs> it does. <laughs> beefy jaw. Lionel's chin, it does sound yeah. like a day to day, doesn't it? Um, wow, it's Christ's gosh, yeah. chin on day to day. It kind of looks, yeah, a bit like a caricature um, chin. Is that the right word? You know, if you go on yeah, holiday and someone draws you. Um, it does. It's a, yeah, but in human form. Absolutely. Completely accentuated chin. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a username. <laughs> I like how the video was cut in between acting and music as well. Like the song features briefly and then it stops and then it comes back. It's like, almost like a small film. Yeah. It's quite, I quite like that attitude of that doesn't really happen as much. I think it actually does happen quite a bit now. Maybe in the noughties it happened again, but I like that. It was mm. like, right, we're actually going to make something quite a thing here. Beat it. Obviously those Michael Jackson videos, like, we're going to make something rather than song and cut you with a ventriloquist dummy, et cetera. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's, it is bad, but it's good in a way. Um, Just because I'm scrabbling for um, picks of the mm. week, I think I might have to, yeah, this is going, it's going in it, Hall of Famer. Brilliant. Same for me. James? No, thank you. No, thank you. Blimey. Okay. Moving on to a new feature, the letter sack. What do we want to call our mailbox? Uh, yeah, let's go with letter sack. Letter sack. Yeah. Sack of letters. Louis' yeah. sack of letters. Um, well, as I said, Nick has uh, told us off for not doffing, uh, and I have... Uh, adhered to those uh, recommendations but nick also likened yourself to the paul whitehouse character the brilliant guy from the fast show james yes um, he did, yes when talking about the smiths what are your thoughts uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think it's really endearing um because i think what he was coming from was your unobliterated praise for them Rather than a daft northerner. Yeah. It's very easy to fall into that trap, though. It is. Yeah. What, of being a daft northerner? Yeah. There's an agenda against us, Marita. They want to pigeonhole us. It's fine. I I think both of you don't come across like that at all. I don't care if I do. Good. Own it. You are. You are coming across that. Because <laughs> 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 you are. Because you are. Good. Didn't want to tell you, but as long as you own it, then it's fine. I'm going to doff my flat cap right oh, now. Oh, doff yeah. my flat cap. Giorgio, turn that music down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I think it's a nice compliment. I think it's 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 enthusiasm and it's and you're always very learned with these topics, Jim. Much more than I think myself, and I'll drag Marita down there as well. Uh, as I seem to be doing today. <laughs> Just, um, but yeah, I think uh, take it as a compliment, my friend. And, um, Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. Oh, very good. There you go. You can hey, say that every cheeky, week. Can become the catchphrase now. Yeah, cheeky smile. Lovely. Um, we also got some nice feedback from Simon, um, who wanted to bemoan Mao and James's views on Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Relax for... Uh, not giving it the credence, maybe, that uh, Relax deserved. Um, shall I uh, tell you what Simon says, or do you want to retort straight away, you two? No, please please go ahead and tell us Simon's what Simon says. Simon's a learned man. So, Simon's yeah. a learned man. 
Well, he, uh, he he described to us that Relax was indeed banned by Radio 1 due to the Conservative Times, uh, specifically to DJ Mike Reed's disgust with the record sleeve, which is quite uh, a naked sleeve, shall we say, and let alone the content of the song. Um, anyway, upon the release, uh, Simon, Simon says, Upon release, sat outside the top 40 initially and only plays on nighttime radio, bumped it into the top 40 for how many weeks? Eight weeks. 37 weeks. That's Aww. better than half a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so sat there, reaching number one in January 1984, bumping off what song that we have talked about on this general podcast? Not today. Not today's ep, but we have mentioned it. What year? Uh, so it would have been the 1983 Christmas single. Um, we've been on um, not their website, but a website talking about. It's Paul McCartney's Pipes of Peace. Ah. Uh, so from one extreme to another. Uh, um, and Simon rightly points out that Frankie Goes to Hollywood's first three singles all reached albeit eventually, number one. Not even a fact the Beatles can attest to. So mm. put that in your pipes and smoke it, you two. What are you saying? I appreciate Simon's dedication. Um, and thank mm. you for writing in, Simon. Mm. However, it does not change my stance on the song and how it made me feel. So. <laughs> Stall, war as ever. I like it, Mal. James, do you want to give Simon some kudos or do you want to tell him to stick it where it hurts? I I commend Simon because he is helping us understand the landscape of the time, although I still agree that with Malada it doesn't change the song, but I do appreciate the cultural context. Basically, the public got behind this and made it happen, mm. really. And it says a lot about mm. how maybe they were tired of what was being played on Radio 1 and they did Absolutely. sympathize with what the song was trying to do. And, and they wanted yeah. to switch it up. It was the what? consensus. Mm. Mm. Well said. Nice. So, should we get Nick or Simon on as a consultant in the future? Well, Simon knows a lot about this music coming out this time, so uh, maybe True. so. Yeah. Well, pop culture references, though, always useful. Simon, we'll get back to you. Nick, <laughs> just consigned to the bin. Bottom of the sack for you, Nick. Well, we All still right? need Nick as our English consultant. True. Yeah. You can be so, grammar consultant, Nick. Post, um, posthumously. Posthumously. Yeah. Um, and. Doff at Doff. Oh. Um, yeah, bottom of the sack for you, Nick, until we've got a grammar problem. Simon, see you soon. And then we just need a maths expert. Obviously, we've got Marita as a physics expert. True. Maths expert, then we'll, we'll be really good, yeah. Or we could just get a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, well. Boy George, we see you again. Culture Club, the war song coming in at number two on the UK charts. I'm already sighing. Whose turn is it? Someone tell me because I've forgotten. Maybe yours. Me. What a piece of shit this song was. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, war, war is stupid and people are stupid. Yes. Yes, I, well, the lack of effort in this song mm. has made me angry. I mean, like, compare it to John and Yoko's one. You know, whatever you think of that, at least there's something there. Yeah, I don't care. Like, this is, 
it's like it's a joke. Like it's I ca- I can't believe this is serious. Like and also the fact that it's also it's like Mario Kart's left on in the background again, and like wah wah stupid. It's like written by a child. It's like oh, I genuinely think in all of the songs we talked about, nothing has I hated more than this. Maybe on comparison with Matt Bianco and uh, the other Thomas Dolby, like. James, you allude to like these things getting in. Like someone's got to have something on Richard David Branson somewhere. You know, like it's got dirty pictures or something. They're holding him against it. Like, how the fuck has this been made? How the fuck is it on the album? And what was the UK fucking thinking? Number two, number two. Okay, war is bad. Yes, but do we need to go through this song? I'll end the war. I'll end the war. Maybe that was the point. Maybe that was the point. Uh, someone take it off me. I can't. James yeah. and Maria, uh, someone. No, I, I, I love the, the fact that you've used the word hate. Such a strong word. But I don't you... think hate is strong enough. I think, I think people say that phrase, and I think, no. I think hate, there's worse words. This is, I hate it. Um, I wrote about three words for it. Um, well, stupid. stupid and people, <laughs> so stupid. Strong. So it's this song, perfectly. Yeah, and I took offence at them chanting war like that. You know, war, war. Yeah. Like, what? So what's happening? Stop it. I know. Like, did they think that that was going to be, like, uplifting or something? Like, we're going to yeah. switch it to... A call to arms or something. Well, I don't know. Awful. James? I think Boy George should be sent to The Hague for the crime of this song, ironically. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, absolutely I'm going to put it out there but I'm putting Culture Club below Duran Duran on my list of groups that I hate now even kind of mm. like they've lost me yeah. it's a miracle and then this where it's basically the same song but the bloody chorus is switched out well, we um, gave them Jews at the beginning and now they've they've ruined yeah. it they've, they've eaten they've had too much pudding they've had too much dessert and now they feel sick and look at them and it cements Boy George as this love, laugh, live type of mum <laughs> songwriter. And I, I actually thought exactly the same as you, Louis. There's about five seconds at the start where it sounds like it's from Diddy Kong Racing on the N64. Yeah. And that was the only bit I enjoyed. And I was like, can I just have this like jungle beat on, please? Because that's the bit I like. Um, but yeah, absolutely dreadful. Hate is the right word. Yeah, shoot it off into space, man. Um, Boy George, uh, many years later, stated on BBC Three that most people are very ignorant politically, and we're all told how glamorous war is. No, we're not. <laughs> are, we, who, are we ever told that war is glamorous? Seriously, mm. if, let, let, let alone the army adverts I seem to be getting on my podcast these days. I don't know. I have one today. <laughs> it was quite a clever one, actually. So that's our. That's our. That's that's join the army. Let's join the army. Um, is uh, it was like oh, we're on a helicopter. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, great. Um, oh, uh, if you don't like this, turn it, turn it down. And then it fakes turning it down in the advert, like you're turning it down. And then it goes, turn it down. And then it goes, hey, still listening? Then you're for us. Join the army. And I thought, quite like that advert. Mm. Don't want to join the army, though, because I don't think war is glamorous, boy, George. You might um, have to join the army. Oh, well, if that <laughs> twat who said something about that has anything to do about it. Well, do you know what? I, I'd join the army and then I'd bring my boombox and just play this. Well, well, stupid. And, but imagine if this was at the front of a fucking march in London. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like the worst anti-war song ever. Oh my god! Cashbox said that this strong anti-war statement is delivered with simple but effective words and a varied melody. Wow! Strong wow. anti-war. We're listening to the same song. It, Cashbox, honestly, no wonder they've died to death, as we've said a thousand times. Um, also, why does Wikipedia love Cashbox? Surely there's other people. Like saying things about songs. Well, like... Apparently, Cashbox was like a website for record collectors or something. Uh, um, yeah, a magazine for record collectors. So. Well, they all signed up for war, obviously, and they're no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, they all died in Blair's oil wars. Yeah, exactly. Please hey, stop talking about this song. All right, up next Elton John, Passengers. In at number five, the UK charts. Jim? I just wrote that uh, for a song called Passengers, this is quite pedestrian. Oh, <laughs> yes. All right, gang? Yes. Like Absolutely. Yeah. Very repetitive. And I think the lyrics quite decent in the verses. Seems to be alluding to slavery. And I, I read that it was like uh, inspired by a South African song. But that chorus and that that do 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 that just is 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 bit passenger I wanna go yeah he's not he's not cracking it he didn't play this at Glastonbury did he well he doesn't seem to like it himself I think oh does he not good I think he said outwardly he sort of left it where he when he came up with it and took Bernie Taupin and then that was kind of left there. And I looked at like what other songs he was releasing around the time, and he's actually on like a hot streak, or he's like around these other good songs. Mm. So I was thought, oh, is his career drying up a little bit, and he's releasing some dross. But no, he's, he's still in a good vein of songs. So mm. yeah, at least he's did... experimenting. At least he's yeah. trying different things. That's quite nice, isn't it, Mal? Did yeah. you, what did you think? Yeah, I was kind of blindsided by it. I didn't Same. think it was particularly. Elton John esque, or what I yeah. know of Alton, Alton, Elton John. I also wrote it's got a potential anti-apartheid message in there, but I mm. can't quite figure out where or be asked to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't really quite. Know. Yeah, yeah, can't be bothered. You want apartheid, like, stupid, stupid, and people <laughs> stupid, stupid. Yeah. racism, stupid. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, yeah, it, it, I, it's 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 clutching at it, isn't it? Really, yeah. uh, to do such a thing. Um, uh, do you want to hear what um, Guided by Voices says about it? That sounds like an ethereal ethereal website. Guided yeah. by Voices. Uh, well, it's it's the username of from someone on songmeanings.com, So ah. give them credit, ah, okay. Um, okay. whether they're schizophrenic or not, <laughs> it remains to be seen. But um, okay. uh, this is my Elton Marmite song. You either love it or hate it. I love it for its cheery tune, yet negative lyrics. A black train built of bones. I think this line means that the train is dangerous and Elton is in great peril. Everyone knows trains are made out of wood and mucus compound. What? Mucus compound. Is that because people blow their noses on the train? There's lots of bogeys everywhere. What does it mean? Snail what does that mucus? mean? Wood and mucus compound. I mean, the bit before, say that again. Black A black bones. train built of bones. I think this line means that the train is dangerous and Elton is in great peril. That's the lyrics from the verse. And it's, it's clearly about slavery. Yeah. Mm. 
or like forced labor. Mm, it's absolutely. not about Elton feeling in peril because he's on a train or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. <laughs> I think he probably is hearing a few voices. Yeah. Or, or, um, but yeah, again, one for an album of poor hits. Um, I haven't got mm. anything else to add. Julian Lennon, son of John, to Late for Goodbyes, number six in the UK charts. James is head in hands here. He's gone off screen. He's annoyed. He's annoyed. He's very annoyed. Um, but you're going to save those thoughts and we're going to go with you first, Mal. What do you think? It sounds quite gallopy. Um, we just talked <laughs> oh. about songs that sound like you're riding a horse sure. before on this podcast, haven't we? Um, um, someone attributed a reggae backbeat to it, and I was kind of worried I was listening to the wrong song. Mm. But no, Cashbox. I don't think it's got. <laughs> it was it's it Cashbox? It's Cashbox. I've got it here. Yeah, it's oh, Cashbox. Goodness it? gracious! Yeah, it does like, feel reggae to me. Yeah, does it? It's got that like ups the upstrokes that that kind of beat to it's it. Sped up. It's absolutely obliterated by whatever else is going on. <laughs> on um, and then I also said that he can't really hit the high notes and that at most points he sounds like he's gasping for air. Asthmatic. And all the air runs out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he sounds like John, though, doesn't he? His voice a little bit. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> J- James is looking downcast. Tell us, James. Do you know how many unique words this song's got? <laughs> exactly the same as the Bronski beat one 49 unique words I looked it up apparently <laughs> the average pop song has around 90 well 80 to 90 unique words so it's very sparse mm. it's pretty rubbish the lyrics are rubbish um, yeah I found it quite forgettable um, uh, a lot of people thought it was you know, too late for goodbyes about his dad, of course. Mm. Um, but uh, it's not the case. Um, he says initially it was about a girl, a relationship. Then it was a few other friends in the room as I was bouncing ideas back and forth. I just ended up with that particular phrase and title and it seems to stick. So it made sense to me. And voila, Bob's your uncle. That's it. No hidden agendas on that one. So <laughs> sorry to disappoint everyone. Um, forgettable pop contributing to the well of despair we're all feeling. To the Style Council, shout to the top, number seven in the UK charts. I think this grew on me, personally, Um, as in I really didn't like it at the beginning. Um, I said it before about Style Council, I feel... Paul Weller's come quite away after leaving the jam. Um, you know, he apparently started this project to escape the restrictions of the jam and to explore a more arty European jazzier direction, which encompassed pop, hip hop, and soul. So <laughs> I think he's done. Has he done that? Can we, has he, uh, Mal, do you think he's done that? Absolutely not. Starts out pretty so- strong, this song, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and there's 
kind of no singing until about 45 seconds in. Mm. Um, but then I realised it just came quickly very annoying. Mm, um, that piano gets quite annoying quite quickly, doesn't it? it? Doesn't it? Doesn't it, just? Oh. And then there's the lyric, <laughs> send me a sign to save my life, which was describing how I felt dredging through my album <laughs> that time. Um, oh, fucking hell, yeah. No, no genuinely, like, I cook, yeah. Mm. I think you're being quite kind. I was being kind. Anyway, I was being kind. Yeah. James, would you be kind as well? Or I'm, you... I'm kind enough to put it in my Hall of Fame. I oh, like so. my yeah. yeah, I could tell. I could see it in your eyes. You know, one thing that Simon also told me was apparently Paul Weller was originally in a soul group before he joined the jam. So a lot of this is him coming back to what he used to do. He's coming back around. And uh, Mick Talbot, who's the pianist, I really like he's always giving it beans on, on the piano. And um, it's got a lot of glissandos in it. Mm. Can you tell me what a glissando is? Is that where you sort of trill it like that? Or... No, that's where you, where you do that swipe down the... Ooh, right. Um, mm. Which I always... I like the strings. Mm. I think Paul and DC Lee, the two singers, I think they look great. And yeah, I like the song. Uh, I really like the lyric that um, it's a frightening thing when it dawns upon you that you're that I know as much as the day I was born. I think I like the way he delivers that line. Mm. And on the video, when there's all the minor strike murals and it keeps on uh, flashing to that, and we the minor strike is going on at this time in the UK. Mm. So, and we're not seeing much. You know, given that music, I think music in the 80s is often seen as very political, right? They're all they're all there to write a quick song about a nuclear bomb dropping. Mm. But when the miners are striking, where the, where, well, they're not on the Now album at least, but apparently mm. there was this group called the Red Wedge where like a lot of left-leaning artists join and used to play, uh, play fundraisers for, for the miners. And John uh, Paul was part of that. And because I'm from a mining town myself and... Uh, I grew up in the shattered remains of Thatcher's Britain. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got sympathy for that. And it's a song about, you know, trying to lift yourself up. And, um, yeah, I knew quite a few people, well, growing mm. up around people who was, you know, went through the minor strike and stuff. Mm. Um, Can yeah. I just ask a question? Sure. Outside of this album and outside of the context, as you've just detailed, would you like this song? Yeah, I still like it. I've liked it for years. Yeah. That's 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 interesting. Yeah, I think yeah the context. Interesting. <laughs> well, I think yeah, I think it's just not for me. I think I don't. I can see why you might like it, and I knew before we talked about it that you'd like because I know you're a fan of Paul Weller. I think the context is is good as well. The interest that is interesting, and I think it's one of the better written lyrically. Hold me, hold me lyrically, not not musically for me, but lyrically. Um, you know, the Thatcherism and like shouting out to this. Uh, you know a group of people that weren't represented well and I think even in the making of the video it sounded like there was a nice communal element and a feel to it that pulling together and banding together for each other and um, it's quite a sweet thing because in the video the paintings in the background are all of the minor strike and uh, someone's commented on the YouTube uh, for it and says I was one of a group under the guidance of the late Michael Howells, who painted the backdrop. We got the job and we had three days to produce and paint the whole thing. We did it and didn't sleep for three days. I delivered all the painted flats, as in the flat screens, to the location and fell asleep in the van going around Shepherd's Bush at 6am. When we were young, when or when we was young, 
And that's the uh, R Belotha 1512, uh, only four months ago, which I thought was quite sweet. Oh. And I'm sure he'll be going to see them play at the Brudenell Social Club oh, on March fantastic. 29th, James, if you're back in Leeds. Well, the Style Council are playing the Brudenell Social Club. They certainly are at 7pm on Friday. Tickets are £22.30. The early birds are, are sold out. Please oh. note the booking fee for this event does include a venue levy of 30 pence which is charged by the venue but that can't be paul weller at the brood surely it is mate check it really okay well the Broodnell social club is one of the best live music gig uh, places in at least in the north of england certainly is so. we went there to play some pool not too long ago james didn't we yeah what a boozer oh. what a great boozer um yeah so it's good fun um but yeah i think i, I quite liked um, a couple of lyrics were mentioned here as well Oh, heavenly thing, please cleanse my soul. I've seen all on offer and I'm not impressed at all. Very good. Quite curious, like what you're saying about Robert Smith. And, um, sorry, is it Robert Smith? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Robert Smith. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to inflict existence on a child. It's that kind of like <laughs> like macabre, deep, mm. like miserable kind of like, you know, but I get it. Like, I, I like that. Um, and also a nice sweeter one, that when you're knocked on your back and your life's a flop, I thought flop was quite a sort of, which is a very safe word to use in there, right? Um, what 2000 film was this uh, film from 2000? Um, does it appear in? Full Monty. What's a good guess. That's very of that ilk and that yeah. time. It's uh, Billy Elliot. Oh, oh same yeah. thing, isn't I it? Mean, yeah, it's exactly same the same thing, thing yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, I also just wanted to quick point out before we move on from them, um, the name, right, Style Council. It is a real trend of names of this time. Art company, culture club. You can see the formula. You take Mm. something creative or uh, poetic or meaningful and then you put a fucking, like, institution on the end of it, yeah? Mm. Fiction factory is another one. Oh, yeah. Um, Anyway, I've given you – I've got some more here that aren't as good, but I'd like you to think of some if you can. Poetry plant. Um, the Ode Ombudsman and the Drip Collectors. Are these real? These are, I've made these up. You've I've made, made these, these up. up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and drip is, you know, like a slang term for clothes now, nowadays mm. if you're down with the kids uh, like I am. And Fashion Police, but that's already a word, isn't it? So uh, it's a phrase. Um, do you know what they were going to be called before that? Paul and Friends. The Torch Society. It's just not good, is it? It's just not good. Thompson, Thompson, Thompson twins with Dr. 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 Coming in at number three in the UK charts. Is it my turn or is it my turn? Well, I've put here spooky. I think it's a spooky song, (laughs) but boring. I think the music, not the singing, is a bit like a score from like a dramatic foreign soap opera. You know, like a Latin American thing or Bollywood or something like that. You know, like they've kind of just thought about the music after the fact, mm. you know, because they'll make the soap or they'll put the music on. They'll do the singing. They'll put the music on. Yeah, hated it. Uh, like a lot of this album. So I'm just, yeah, we're going to churn through them now, guys, because it's pretty darn shit. Uh, Mal, hasten yeah. to agree. Yeah, um, I wrote that even the slightly mystical and voyage-like backing track can't save it. Um, Also compares love to being in a medical state. 
compares being in love to being in a medical state. Yeah, sickness. Yeah, uh, it's not the best thing to compare love to, is it? Really? (laughs) I mean, I dread to think what the relationships like for that person have been. So poor, Mm. poor them. Hopefully, they've found good love now. But I mean, to me, it just sounds like they're describing UTI. Doctor, doctor, can't you see I'm burning, burning? Oh, doctor, (laughs) doctor. Is this love I'm feeling? No, you've just got an STI, mate. That's gonorrhea. Um, James, um, ever had an STI? Joking. What do you think of the song? No, uh, I'm a regular at the clinic. Um, <laughs> no, it's um, yeah. I just put like I do think like this idea of yeah, love as this sickness or it's like oh, I'm, I'm out of lost my senses. That's kind of a nice idea, but all that is absolutely dreadful. And even mm. then, it's bad. Yeah, no rubbish. Heaven 17 with Sunset Now coming in at 24, 20, 24 on the UK charts. A pointless, so boring song feels very derivative. Yay or nay, Marita? I wrote two words for this. Tone okay. deaf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's getting less every time your words count. It's going <laughs> three, two, one. Love it. Oh. Um, I hate backing vocals that are like rhythmic voices. Be ba. Oh, fuck off. Sing a word, you lazy sod. What is that? What What is is that? Yeah. Is it scat? Yeah, scabbardy. Scat. Scabbardy is good. Yeah. Makes my skin crawl. (laughs) Um, James, uh, what do you think of the lyric? I want you to think, think, just think long and hard. Get your philosophy hat on. As you Mm -hmm. said, you're on this podcast to really dive. Come on, Melvin. So, Melvin, take us through what they were thinking when they wrote the lyric, bang, bang, you're dead, it's raining bread. Bread is a euphemism, like it's a synonym for money, isn't it? So is it that kind of thing that you kill yeah. somebody? Really? Like, even so. Come you know, I on. actually didn't write anything for this song. This first <laughs> That's how ever. bad. Wow. I just lost my patience with this album by this time. Yeah. I just couldn't yeah. physically listen elicit anything from myself about this Mm. Mm. it's dreadful I mean I've written that it's so devoid of interest or meaning that no one has ever even commented it on my lame forum website (laughs) songmeanings.com that is the level right yeah Um, I think uh, we never really we get get Debbie Voller we get Cashbox we get you know all the big hitters of the time but a little unknown the Huddersfield Express, sorry, that we mentioned earlier. Um, but we do get, you know, the odd unknowns in there. Um, and someone called Adrian Thrills. Mm. Adrian Thrills of a little a, a magazine called The Enemy. I don't know that. Mm. But um, stated, it is difficult to take an active dislike to Heaven 17. But it is even harder to find anything other than flat, flawless, worthlessness in their music. Worth worthlessness yeah i'd love sunset now if i could but it tells me nothing about the frenzy of political struggle it is merely another record another numb artifact well said Mm. (laughs) more expression in that review than there is in the bloody song right absolutely absolutely andy coin of sounds wrote hardly a great achievement from the creators of fascist groove thang but as pop fair it's strong enough 
I know this is going to really irritate after about two weeks. Oh, what could have been? I like that as a critic. Oh, this is going to irritate. Like, I'm going to hear this a lot, annoyingly, because mm. I'm just going to listen to the radio and it's going to be there. So it's like, right, what am I doing for the next two weeks? Get out of the hell out of Dodge, as they say. Okay, up next, it's the Harry Kane gang with Respect Yourself coming in <laughs> at 21. It wasn't Harry Kane, it was the Kane gang. Respect Yourself uh, coming in at 21 in the UK charts. But I've just sung a different song there, haven't I? That's from New Order's World in Motion. Yeah. James, James has had to take his glasses off and wipe his eyes. <laughs> it's, it's all, you're not crying. It's just like so sick of it by this I point. I didn't write anything again, and I'm really sorry to oh, really listen to this podcast. Oh, okay. It was dreadful. It's just dreadful. He's gone red in the dreadful. face. Um, you've got to write something, mate. I know. <laughs> it's rubbish. Okay. Marita, you got anything for it? Uh, just that I wanted to like this song because it was getting so close towards the end of the album and I was pretty hopeful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but however, this was not this album's saviour. It yeah. kind of went a bit solely, like, well, so, it delved into a bit of, you know, solely at points, um, but it didn't fully, like, I don't know, didn't fully go for it, which I think mm. was a bit of a missed opportunity. Well, it is a cover of a soul song. By the staple oh. singers. Um, and the oh. original's quite good. You know, it oh. makes sense on the original. You know, it's like, it, you know, it really is a you know classic soul track in the, it has all the trappings. And it is, uh, and I added that to my Apple Music, you know, and, um, but I'd left this in the dirt. Like it's, it's just, again, we've talked about it before, that thing of like, oh, if you're covering and we don't know who you are, I mean, obviously, I don't know who you are because it's the context of us talking about it now. That's what I call now. But at the time, did we know who they were? Like, I don't know who they are now. Like, if, if you're choosing a cover at the beginning, mm. I think you shouldn't be in music because I, I you can go, go and play down the pub as a cover snack, but don't start with a cover unless it's banging and completely different. I think you've got yeah. questions to ask, long, hard questions to ask yourself before the beginning. Um, it's felt very background music to me. Basic 80s cop show again, Law and Order, something like that. A song to drive around to, but yeah, everything, a bore otherwise, an absolute bore. Also, how long was it? Oh, it was, that was God, wasn't it like six minutes Eight or something? minutes long, I think. No, it wasn't actually, but it, it was really long. Five minutes, 41 seconds. That oh. is a travesty. An absolute travesty. Can you well, remember anything about it, James? <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> no. Mm. No. Well, see you later. Um again. Cool. Oh, if you you've been attacked, Marita, what's that? It's the cane gang. It's the cane gang outside. The, yeah, it's prohibition in America. It's the cane <laughs> gang, you see? Don't talk about our music like that. I don't know what that accent was, but uh Johnny went... Tight Lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's end this travesty of an album. Hi, Tina, our friend Tina. Save us from the dirge. Tina Turner, private dancer, number seven in the UK charts. James, take us away, mate. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for 
coming in here, Tina. Uh, yeah, great song, fantastic song. Written by Mark Knopfler, which I think is interesting. Mm. And in my mind, I just had this image that, you know, he's from Newcastle, right, or from the Northeast. And in my mind, I was just thinking, it's a very weird song for a Geordie white guy to write, a British guy <laughs> to write about basically what is a stripper. Mm. So I was imagining him going to America and he's been to his first strip bar and then he goes back to Newcastle. He's like, oh, lads, there's all these, all these lassies like, and you know, they take all the bloody clothes off, you know, you give them a bit of money and even do a wee little dance for you. You know, and it's just like, oh, feeling like some of us should see the things I've seen. Um, so, yeah, I just got this idea of be this horny Geordie, basically. Um, but no, it's a good song, very good chorus. I'd be very interested to know what Mark Knopfler was thinking when he was actually written. And um, I just want to give a shout out to my mate Sean, because another reason why I love this song is that he used to be adamant that the lyrics were, Fried breakfast, not private dancer. <laughs> and he would sing, he would sing, it's my fried breakfast, breakfast for money. Give me your coffee and tea whilst you'll be making breakfast in the uh, in the kitchen. So, oh, it really worked. It really, they great. Missed, they did just, miss a trick. Just go with it. Next time you're listening to it, just sing fried breakfast. Do you think uh, Mark Knopfler had actually just written about a greasy spoon and then went over to America and was like, oh, I could use this, actually. Things. Yeah, I could use this. Well, yeah. the Americans, they like the... Oh, wow. Oh, wow. See my ladies. The one negative is there doesn't need to be a seven minute, 11 seconds version of this song. Oh, God, no. There's only so many times you can run through that bass line and feel yeah. it. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Mal, you uh, like this? I don't really have anything more to add. I agree with everything that James has said. Um, mm. It's a Hall of Famer for me. Mm. Um, needs must. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is it quite a sexy song? Is that sax well, hole? The sax in it. A very breathy sax. Yeah, yeah, I guess so it's so. sort of trying to be sexy, isn't it? But I guess it's not the sexiest. I mean, it's sexy technically, but it's not the sexiest thing to be singing about as well, you know. Mm. Because is it negative towards sex workers, or is it? It's hard to say, isn't it? It's like the dehumanisation. I think it is. All the men are the same. It's it's negative about the experience, obviously, not the workers themselves. I I think, yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah. There's a little bit at the end, there's a lyric where she says, I thought cheapened the whole thing a little bit. She went, Deutschmarks or dollars, American Express will do nicely. You know, I like that. Deutschmarks or dollars, No, but just to mention it so specifically, yeah. American Express, please. You know, like I thought that was a bit like, oh, there was a nice little two hundred grand that just went into your back pocket, to, you know. Um, but she says, "Do you want to see me do the shimmy again?" That is not mm. a dance I'd associate with being. I think, sexy. yeah, it's. You know, you might have some tassels somewhere. Oh. I would reckon oh. that would be a <laughs> Oh, his eyes have lit up. Um, yes. Uh, I, look, I like Tina a lot, and I think I'm pleased she's on this album to save uh, us from insanity. But I do feel this is, I mean, out of the ones we've talked about, I think this is not, the top, I think this is at the bottom of all of them for me. Um, and I feel like it's not as wah as Tina usually can be, which is mm. fine. That's fine. She doesn't have to be. She doesn't have to be like that all the time. But I did feel like her singing, I felt like she was a bit tired. Like I feel like she was <laughs> running out of steam a bit. Like 
and I wondered if she was sort of like, <laughs> imagine like she was sort of singing it under duress. Like she, that was quite <laughs> anxious. Like she's like she's been forced to sing it. Like her producer has gone, come on, we need to just do another song. Uh, Sky Mark from England's got something about a greasy a, a, a cafe <laughs> diner or something. We'll just make it about a woman. Look, just sing it. She's like, I don't want to sing that. She's like, oh, dancer for money. And that's taken it very lightheartedly. She's a great singer. And she's obviously doesn't sing like that in it. But can you see what I mean? Yeah. It's only until the end does she suddenly sort of get poked with a stick by a producer and she goes, let's sing off one more, you know, and it just suddenly comes in. You're like, oh, there it was, you know, and it was sort of, it was. Um, so I think that was the only thing I'd thought about it. It is a good song. And I, I am surprised myself, actually, it's not my Hall of Fame. But it's too late now and I can't be asked to go back and think about it. Um, I had a nice fact about her husband, Erwin Bach, Bach. Uh, Tina Turner's husband, he donated a kidney to her years before she Aww. died, which Aww. I thought was very sweet. I was just going to say, I was imagining a phone call between Tina and Mark, and she's like, so Mac, she's like, <laughs> she's like so Mark, what, what is it all about this song? He's like, it's about a canny lass who takes all her clothes off. <laughs> she doesn't, you know, when you go out to the club league and she take all her clothes off. Oh, I, I see. Okay. Um, okay. I'll do my, I'll try, I'll try my best. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I exactly. read. Is that I read with you, Tina? Like, well, I can't see it myself. Well, that, that that explanation does make sense, really, because uh, have you know the outcry was that everyone thought it was Tina talking. Well, one talking about prostitution, but also people were like, "Oh, Tina, have you been a prostitute? How can you sing about this? How would you know about that?" You know, and people would say like, "Well," and she sort of did very coolly, just pretended not to know that that's what it was probably about. And mm. she said she hadn't understood the character in the song and said. Oh, I was just a little lady who was a dancer and came to parties and, you know, just was nothing but nice. So I think, you know, she probably went, canny lass, canny lass. I, well, I, okay. It's just a lady and she dances. Okay. You know, so, so maybe there was lost in translation. I was going to say maybe the fact that she didn't fully understand the character is why she didn't give it her all. Her oomph that we yeah. usually see. Yeah. Sort of, it, that's why I felt like she was under duress, you know, like in, like crime shows or whatever, and they're like a hostage is reading something off a sheet. That's what it felt like because she's singing well, but she's sort of reading it as she sings. Our dancer for money, oh, is this what you want me to sing? You know, like it's sort of like, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just my my final thoughts. Hall of Fame for you, James, as well. Defo, defo, and I was I was just going to say if anybody can make this kind of song classy, is Tina, isn't it? As so, we've yeah. as we've known a thousand times. So well done, Tina. And that's about it for now for side one. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I would give this album a D out of 10 for me. What would you give it, you two? F. F. E. E minus. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You've got to go on low. So we'd average out, you know, the average everyone scores in the class to an E. We'll do that. The median, mm. the yeah. mean average. There's maths for you, eh? And what were your Hall of Fames? Mine was Style Council, Tina and John Waite missing you. Nice. I joined you with John Waite. I've got Lionel Richie in there. And I really did like that Paul McCartney one with you, Mel, at the beginning. Yeah. No more lonely nights. And on that note of Hall of Fames, everyone, that is 1983 and 4 all done. So we're going to have to put out a poll of some sort, James, on the Instagram. Uh, and we'd yeah. like you all to vote. 
Um, does that round up our amalgamation of pop star look that we were going for? That's to all the eighties. That's to all the eighties. Yeah. Good. There's a lot of work for our listeners to do. Okay. (laughs) But we'll get the hall of fame going and, and how are we going to do it, James? What's the, what are they going to vote for? One song each, three votes. We get three. Yeah. Well, so we're going to have, once we finish this podcast in 2057, yeah. Um, well, we'll wonder how many songs from each year would we want? Ten? Ten. We'll do top ten from each year. Cool. Anything else, friends? That that was then. That was then. And this is, this now. is now. And this is now. Good night. Goodbye. Night.